like to play it up because I don't want people to think I am anything uh, other than ordinary. I think that, you know, my story kind of gives people hope that uh, just an ordinary guy can do extraordinary things. And so I, I still believe that. Welcome to Maybe Running Will Help, the podcast that reminds us that running is about more than just performance and PRs. I'm Nikki Tamburino, also known on Instagram as One Classy Mother Runner. I'm an RRCA certified running coach and personal development enthusiast who knows firsthand that running has the power to transform our minds and our lives one step at a time. I'm excited to bring you stories from the community as well as research so we can explore the expected and not so expected ways running can and has helped make life better, regardless of your pace, place, or experience. Let's get started. Hey guys, today I am so excited to share a very special guest with you. He's just a regular guy, sort of, (laughs) inspiring humans to do extraordinary things. I'm honored to have connected with him for this conversation. And frankly, I'm surprised I was able to keep my cool for the duration of our chat. Although Dean Carnassus couldn't have made it easier to chill. He's just like us and credits his achievements to being passionate and loving what he does. It's time to get to know the man, the mortal, Mr. Ultramarathon. All right, guys. Today we have Dean Carnassus, the ultramarathon man. He started running in kindergarten, but blames his running career on bad tequila, which is the first badass thing about this guy. Tequila. Some of his running achievements include running 350 miles in 80 hours and 44 minutes without sleep, and running 50 marathons in 50 consecutive days in 50 states. And I'm particularly interested in knowing what he thought about our Baltimore marathon course. Uh, But I wanna start out by asking about something I stumbled upon while prepping for the show. In addition to his many well-known achievements, Karna can also claim to have run around the world naked. All right, hey Dean, how are you? I think that that final uh, little reference needs some sort of clarification. <laughs> I think so, but like I, I was like, naked, yeah. It turns out, like as I was doing my research, like this isn't the first time you like stripped down to run a race. So like we need to know more about this. <laughs> I'm Greek, you know. <laughs> I'm say I'm just going back to my roots. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, the, the running around the world naked. So I ran a marathon to the South Pole. Right. And uh, at the South Pole, believe it or not, there is a. a a candy stripe barber pole with this stainless steel orb on top of it. And I got there and I'm looking at the South Pole and the guy comes up to me and says, that's amazing. You just ran a marathon in the South Pole. You want to be the first person to run around the world naked. And I said, oh, Bob, I think you've been spending a little bit too much time down here at the South Pole. Like, you, need, you need to get out of here for a while. I said, no, 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 I'm an engineer. Think about it. If you run around the South Pole, you're circumnavigating the globe just at its smallest circumference. Right, right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, that's true, but it's minus 45 degrees out. That's and nice it's, it's, I mean, just don't let any of your appendages touch that stainless steel orb on top and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was just thinking about how cold it was, but in order to be able to say uh, you ran around the world naked, I think it was totally worth it. I think uh, it's a dubious distinction that not many people can claim. And now, now that you, uh, you mentioned that second reference, which I had forgotten about, it was... Um, running in the hottest place on earth. So the South Pole is the coldest place on earth. I ran naked in the hottest place on earth, which is Death Valley. Right. Um, that was during a race called the Badwater Ultra Marathon. And it's 135 miles across Death Valley in the middle of summer. And in the middle of the night, 
I was so hot, kind of like you're saying it's hot in Baltimore today. I mean, it was it was 98 degrees at uh, two in the morning, and I was every oh. piece of clothing that touches you just chafes. So I thought <laughs> I would get rid of like I could not put on enough body glide. I mean, I, I just will never forget. I ran unclothed, if you will. Yeah, and I had a buddy with me who was pacing me, and uh, <laughs> I'm like, I'm going full Monty. And he's like, well, if you're going to do it, I got to do it. And so he did the same thing. Yeah, and, and there were other people out there, right? So what, how did, what did they think about you guys? <laughs> I haven't remembered this story in a while, but now I'm thinking back on it. It was, um, it was three women that were crewing for me. So it was Michelle, a good friend of mine, an old friend. But yeah, I, I thought they were miles behind me. And all of a sudden they came driving by and they looked at us and said, what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, it was, it was comical. But I mean, there's a point when you're just, anything that's touching your body in that sort of heat is just abrasive. Yeah, yeah, mm. for sure. Um, all right, so we won't hold that against you then. I guess that makes sense. <laughs> well, <laughs> that is interesting, although, I can't really relate having never run that many miles or in those kinds of extreme temperatures. But something we can bond over is a race right in my backyard. So I, I want to talk about if you remember running the Baltimore Marathon, because I know it was only one of the 50 marathons that you ran and that, you know, whole adventure that you did. But I have run the Baltimore Marathon. I think it's one of the toughest marathon courses that I've ever run. So I'm curious to to know what you think, thought about it, if you remember, and anything that was memorable about it. About it. Yeah, well, I'll put it in perspective. It was during the course of running 50 marathons in 50 states in 50 days. Right. So it was the quote-unquote recreated marathon. So they set up the official starting line, and we followed the sanctioned certified course. But there was just 50 runners. So we had permits for 50 people to run with me. And I'll never forget the Baltimore Marathon because uh, as we were leaving, a building was on fire. Like we ran past this building that was in flames and it was, it was intense. I mean, you know, there were flames coming out of the windows and glass was shattering and you could feel the heat. And mm. we had a, like a motorcycle cop that was escorting us uh, so that he closed down the intersections and so forth when we ran through them. And he saw that and he, he called in, you know, the fire department and uh, they rescued the people that are inside and they literally said, you know, if you guys hadn't run by there, the, the likelihood of a, you know, a cop driving down his, his motorcycle down that road would have been really slim. Those people might have died. Two miles into the race, which had police escorts, Carnassus happened upon a house fire in the 1900 block of McCullough Street. Officers reported the blaze, which was extinguished. The officers circled back and broke down the door. Rushing inside, they pulled three people out of the building, including a baby. And then I love the course. It was hilly. I love hills. And yeah. I live in San Francisco, so I love the hills. But um, I, I really loved it. And uh, I, I want to go back and run the actual uh, Baltimore Marathon. Dean ran the Baltimore Marathon on November 1st, 2006. It was 75 degrees and sunny. It was his 46th marathon in 46 days. And he ran a time of 349.40. I wonder, you know, I ran it in 2006. I wonder if the course is the same because it went through like a, a whole lot of different neighborhoods. That's what I really liked. Yeah. It was, okay. So it's the same course. Nice. Well, yeah. it's changed a couple of times. I'm not, did it end in Camden Yards? Yes, it did. All right. I, yeah. It, it's changed a couple of times. Um, like, I don't think I've run it since like 2014 or something. So I'm not sure like what, how, where it goes now, but. Um, but mm -hmm. I know it changed a couple of times, but I think the hills have always been there. <laughs> I don't think too much has changed about that. 
So I actually contacted Chris Tomlinson, the current VP of Marketing for Corrigan Sports who organizes the event to get the actual course history. He responded promptly saying Dean is great and that he remembered the 2006 run vividly, of course mentioning the fire along the course. And here's what he had to say about the history of the Baltimore Running Festival. The Baltimore Running Festival has made minor tweaks to its course over the years based on construction and other logistics necessities. In 2015, we did make a more drastic change moving the finish line to the shores of the Inner Harbor rather than the parking lot at the stadium complex. But all the favorite parts of the course remain, including the Camden Yard Start, the Maryland Zoo, and the Harbor, Fells Point, Canton, and all of the parks. For all these 50 races, people could sign up and um, and kind of run with you, right? Yeah, I mean, that was the thing I really wanted. I didn't want to just go do it by myself. I thought, you know, you, you might be able to do it, um, but if you, you know, it'd be better to celebrate it with others and let them, you know, come in and be part of the experience. So. Uh, you know, it wasn't like a normal marathon where we had thousands of people at these recreated events because, uh, you know, staging a, a marathon. I mean, think about the actual uh, Baltimore Marathon. They closed down the course, but they couldn't do that for us. So they would just like um, these motorcades of, of officers would kind of ride, ride up to an intersection, shut it down, and we'd get to run through. But it yeah. was kind of a unique and intimate experience. So. Uh, yeah, that's cool. You know, the 50 other runners, they got a, an official medal. You know, they got every all the stuff you would typically get with running the marathon, but it was on a different day, uh, you know, of the year typically. And um, also, we had like these roaming um, sag wagons. So the imagine the aid stations were with us. So you could they would just oh. like hand food out the, out the window to you as you're running. Oh, that's kind of nice, actually. That's actually a really nice perk. But like, yes, yeah, so you ran it in November, which the race is usually in uh, October, I think it's because it's sometimes it's really hot too. So um, that's the other thing with the race, but. You're saying it's hot in Baltimore today. I mean, it was, it was 98 degrees at uh, two in the morning. It's like, well, so I mean, so I, one more thing about these uh, 50 marathons and you running with people. Do you have any uh, favorite or most memorable people that you ran with that, in any state, in any state? And if you can't think of one, I have one that stands out to me. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you know, there were there were so many memorable uh, experiences that took place. But I think, you know, we uh, I remember a guy from uh, Japan that flew over to run uh, the marathon in Hawaii in Maui. Yeah, and I couldn't believe it because I was on the plane to Maui uh, and I'm reading this email because I got a lot of emails. It's just when email was kind of first coming out. <laughs> and the guy said he convinced his wife to scrap their like elaborate wedding plans in Japan to come run a marathon with me. <clears throat> yeah, no, I had a, a couple that, um, you know, people started running multiple marathons. They had so much fun doing this, like on a random Tuesday running a marathon in some city that they would sign up for an, another one, like a couple weeks down the road, and they'd like fly all over the country to meet me. So one couple uh, ran what they called the six pack. And so they ran the, all six of the New England states, back to back, six marathons in six days. And we, you know, we developed a friendship. It was, it was pretty good. I wanna totally ask you about like, you know, running and philosophy and stuff like that, like, like what you've learned from all the, these experiences and stuff, like, 
I guess I'll start with like, do you have a best like running failure? Uh, I think the only failure is if you don't try your hardest. So every, every ultra marathon, every marathon, I just have the same commitment is that today I'm going to do my best. Like I'm going to leave everything on the course. And when I cross that line, I'm going to be totally spent and, and very satisfied with what I just did. And I think if you have that mindset going into it, you can't really fail. You know, you learn like when you run multiple marathons, you learn a lot of little tricks, you know, how to tie your shoe, um, you know, how to uh, get through an aid station without getting Gatorade all over you. You know, you see a lot of behaviors uh, when you run a lot of, um, you know, bigger marathons that you, you know to avoid. Right. <laughs> someone's, got, someone's got earbuds in, you know, and they're, you don't run behind them because they're going to do something erratic because they're not paying attention. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you're, you're laughing and smiling because you, you know exactly what I'm describing. Oh, yeah. God, what was the, uh, the last marathon I ran, I just remember, this is like going to seem totally unrelated, but I was so annoyed by people that like run over you in the first like mile. I'm like, we have like 26 <laughs> miles to go. Like, where, why, why are you, like, you have plenty of time to get your like placement in this race. Like, why are you running me over? 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, and that yeah. kills me on a hundred mile race when people are like elbowing you at the start. You're like, dude, it's a hundred miles. <laughs> right, there's <laughs> plenty of time. Hours, like it doesn't matter the next ten feet if you're ahead of me. Right, 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 right. You also talk um, in your book about running versus racing, um, and I, I'm just interested if you can share a little bit about uh, your feelings on that. Yeah, I think that, you know, some of the magic is lost when you just view running as uh, a time goal or, a, you know, as specifically as a race. And I think some of the um, the enchantment uh, disappears. So, I, you know, I've, I've run with guys. You know, we all have different mindsets. I'm certainly as competitive as the next guy. But I think if you're just in it to, you know, to try to set a time goal or try to try to win the race, it leads to burnout and a bit of dissatisfaction because you, you know, you're never going to be fully satisfied with any race you do. And yeah. so, you know, my attitude is that uh, running is worthwhile in itself. It, it doesn't have to be timed and quantified. I mean, we live in such a quantified uh, state of being these days. I mean, every, every race, every run, as some people, you know, with Strava and so forth, you know, every step, every heartbeat is measured. <laughs> and I think sometimes that, that takes away the joy of it. A hundred percent. And that's one of the reasons I like wanted to start this podcast is like, I just found myself getting just burnt out and just worrying about like, oh, I'm getting older now. Like, but what if I stop, you know, you know, placing or getting these certain times? Like I, I just got like worried, like what is that? How does my relationship change with running? And, and so that's one of the reasons I like wanted to talk to people about like, what is running really about? And like, how do you deal with um, you know, kind of aging, not like aging out of the sport, but aging out of like PRs and that kind of thing. Like, how do we grow with the sport? Yes, it, it's it's a difficult challenge. And I've certainly struggled with it. I mean, you know, as you get older, your, your speed decreases. I mean, I'm still able to run, you know, ultra marathons, but not nearly at the same pace. And, you know, for me to run a sub three hour marathon these days, I've got to work my tail off where before I could kind of just fake it and do it. So you, you get slower and that's a little bit, um, it can be frustrating, uh, you know, for me as well, because I'm somewhat of a, you know, a known, uh, entity in, in running circles. Uh, 
it's tough to show up at races and have you know a race where your performance is not is so good because you know people kind of benchmark off of you and you know they you know i can just see people looking at me like oh i'm in front of dean now and so i've kind of you know i've swallowed my pride on on a lot of cases but i think it's good it's humbling and i think people appreciate the fact that i'm still showing up these days so at a point it becomes less about you know getting on the podium versus just getting to the race start <laughs> you know just every day every race being there and and still and still going where a lot of you know people that you know your peer group is kind of falling by the wayside so i think if you truly love it and you you know you you've reckoned with the fact that you're not going to be on the podium most likely i mean maybe for my age group but i think the only people that care if you're winning your age group or people in your age group <laughs> <laughs> and so you know if, if you can if you can still enjoy the whole experience and i love i mean i love the race experience as, as much as uh i love to just go run by myself as well mm -hmm. you know the race experience is is different it's it's more charged it's more thrilling in in some ways so i still love racing even you know i love running marathons as, you know as many marathons as i've done i still love running marathons i've run 10 or 15 times i mean i've done new york city i think 13 or 14 times and every time i do it i still love it yeah that's a great race yeah, I'm just starting to try to do marathons now, like for where they are, because my husband, like, I feel bad for my husband. He like comes with me everywhere. I'm like, I got to start going places that he actually wants to visit. Like, that <laughs> yeah. seems fair. So um, yeah, that's one thing I really focused on when I was um, doing a lot of racing with when my kids were younger is that because uh, my wife's not a runner. So I really when I would do these destination races, uh, I would make sure that we did a lot of fun things. It was the one time I kind of splurged, like I'd get a nice hotel and we'd have a lot of, you know, nice meals and we'd go do fun activities so that, you know, when the next marathon rolled around, the kids would be like, ah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Let's go versus, ah, oh, you know, dad's going to drag us to another race. And, and that paid off. Yeah. Yeah. I was, it's kind of, it's kind of where I am. I, we don't take our kids a whole lot. They just, they're teenagers and they don't really care to like wait around for me to finish a race, but it's, it's good when they get excited about it. It's fun, but uh, I, I mostly feel bad for my husband. He's, he, he's really supportive. And so I, I'm trying to get him to some cool places. Like I want to do Kiowa. That's where I was planning to do. Um, huh. yeah. Why Kiowa? Uh, it just looks like such a nice area. My brother lives in Charleston and uh, my parents just moved to South Carolina. So like we could all, they, they could go, they, you know, they'd have a chance to go and watch me race and stuff like that. So I just think it would be really fun. And, um the places there to stay are like super super nice so yeah i was running that race during the 50 marathon that i recall and uh, i'll never forget this we ran past a sign that said beware of alligators <laughs> yeah and literally this alligator popped up in the water like in there like there's like an inner water inner coastal waterway and as we're running you see these two eyes come up right when we saw the sign I'm like oh shit, <laughs> <laughs> legs don't fail me now yeah Right. Wait a minute, though. I always think because we we actually we have a place in North Carolina, and so the mm -hmm. signs like I see them all the time. Like if I'm running, I'm like I'm pretty sure like aren't we faster on land? <laughs> like like if I'm in the water, like that's probably a problem. But I'm pretty sure I'd be okay if they're like we're on land. <laughs> right? I used to live in Australia, and it would happen all the time. People get eaten by crocodile. I mean, these are crocodiles, and they're huge, well, but they'd see them like lumbering, you know, along the shoreline, kind of very moving very lethargically but apparently they can sprint like 20 miles an hour 
<laughs> oh my God. I'm like, I'm, I don't know if I'm glad you told me that or not. Now I'm going to be scared. I was thinking they have short little legs. No, I think they can get the, yeah, no, I, I would do some research on Google. <laughs> According to A to Z animals on land, an alligator's top speed in very short bursts can reach 30 miles per hour. However, that's more of their lunge speed. For longer distances, alligators can run somewhere between 9.5 and 11 miles per hour. But even then, alligators will rarely exert themselves for more than 100 feet. The bottom line is that most humans can outrun an alligator. Uh, finally, if an alligator does chase you, run as quickly as you can in a straight line. Don't zigzag. It won't help and can slow you down. I, I think about here, um, sometimes uh, we get like bear sightings. Um, like being Baltimore? close to Pennsylvania and stuff like that. So yeah. in the summer, I sometimes am like a little bit freaked out on our trails, but um, have you ever encountered a bear? Yes, I have. Yeah. I what encountered a bear during a hundred mile foot race at about mile 78. I came around a corner in the trail and this is in California. So it's kind of hot and dusty and uh, I saw this big dust cloud and this flash of brown, and I thought a horse had gone lame in the trail, like a horse had crashed. And I ran up to this dust cloud, and out from it, this massive brown bear stuck its head. And I was—I literally could see the like the sclera of its eyes. I'll never forget it. it we were just face to face, but mm -hmm. uh, thankfully, I, I scared it worse than it scared me. And you know, went and went just thrashing down the embankment. We were kind of on a hillside. And it looked like someone had pushed a car or you know, like over the embankment. It, it was like a tractor had gone down. I couldn't believe how muscular the thing was just to crash through these, you know, this thicket. Oh my God. Mm. Did you do that a whole like try to get big and, and yell at it and stuff? Is that what you did? No, I just, uh, we, we like were face to face and it, when it saw me, I mean, I was like, oh, I thought now what? And it just, it flipped out. And it was, like I said, we were kind of on a cliffside and it just went running down the cliffside. And I just heard this <laughs> you know, breaking of branches and tree limbs. And I looked and it was just this huge divot through the earth. And I ran, like, I didn't look back. Like I ran real fast. Oh <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my God. Yeah. So what, um, have you had any like, like what's the scariest thing you've come across like in your runs? Cause you're, you're a trail runner. So I imagine you come across all kinds of scary stuff in the woods. Yeah, all kinds of many, many snakes. I think those are to me the, you know, the probably the scariest because they're you don't really see them and they can strike pretty quickly. So a lot oh, of yeah. snakes. Uh, I've been attacked by a wombat in Australia. <laughs> I was running across <laughs> Australia. Yeah, and it was that was pretty harrowing. It had it had uh, it had babies with it, so it was just a mother. Because wombats are typically not very aggressive, but I I startled it. Uh, wild boar. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> Either in life or in a race, like, is there something that you, in particular, that you tell yourself when it gets really hard, you want to like quit or whatever? Like, do you have something in particular that you kind of like say to yourself? You know, people ask me, what, what do you think about when things get tough? And uh, the problem is if you start thinking, right? Mm. Uh, that's the, don't think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Don't think because it's, it's too daunting, especially during a, you know, an ultra marathon where, you know, you might have 50 or 60 miles left and you can't, you feel like you can't take another step and you've got to go, you know, for another 20 or 30 hours. 
So I say, just be in the here and now, like be in the present moment of time. Don't think about anything except taking your next footstep to the best of your ability. So I literally say, just take your next footstep as best you can. Okay, take your next footstep as best you can. Uh, don't think about how far you've got to go to the aid station, to the next mile marker, anything. Just think about your next footstep. And uh, you, you almost go into like this Zen-like um, trance. And you can get through some really tough, tough moments by doing that. Yeah, don't think. That's where you really get in trouble. Your mind starts going and then... <laughs> Even I mean, at a marathon, think about when you're you know, you're just totally spinning, like mile 20, and, and someone who doesn't run is like, oh, you got it. You're almost there. Thanks. <laughs> you're like, hold it. <laughs> I, you know, you got another 10K to run, and, you know, you're cramping and all of that. It seems impossible. But, um, I, you know, I say if you have to walk, walk, just slow down for a moment and, and kind of regroup and keep going. Yeah, no, don't don't say you're almost there at 20. No, that's that's wrong. Don't no, it's these that. spectators that are not runners, you know, and they 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 think, oh, you know, you've got 20 miles in the bag, you're you've got it, and you really don't. Yeah. So in reading your book, I was reading about your dad first, and then you know, your family and your parents, and I was just like your family i like love your family i just want to like meet your parents like there's that's so awesome like was your dad a runner or like ha they're they're so like involved in what you do like that's so that must like make you so happy yeah it's funny my dad kind of got me into it in a in a weird sort of way uh when i was a a, a kid he decided he was going to run the um, inaugural la marathon we grew up in southern california so he uh trained and trained and trained. He's going to run the marathon. I knew nothing about marathoning, but he said to my mom and I, hey, um, wait for me at mile 20, because when I get to mile 20, I'm going to hit the wall. I'm like, oh, you know, what's this? And this is back in the early 80s. And so I said, what's the wall? Like, And he said, oh, it's, I'm going to feel horrible. So tell me I look great and to keep going. Right. He comes running into mile 20. My mom looks at him. She says, God, you look horrible. Why don't you stop? Thanks. <laughs> mom, that's not what he told us. <laughs> he said, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Look at him. And he looked, he did look horrible. I'm like, no, nah, dad, you look great. Just keep going. So uh, he finished and we, we went to the finish line. We couldn't find him. We couldn't find him. We're like, oh no, what happened? And someone said, have you looked in the medic tent? So we walked over to the medic tent and there's my dad, like lying on a cot. He's wrapped in a mile, you know, one of those mylar space blankets. And he looks like one of those people that are just destroyed at the end of a marathon. I mean, he's, he's got crusty white salt all over him and he's kind of ashen looking and he can't get up. And so we finally get him to the car and the whole way home, like we put him in the back seat. He's just going, oh, oh. And I just remember thinking to myself, I am never, ever going to run a marathon. Like, that looks so horrible. I don't right. do that. Hmm. And, you know, and, and, you know, 15 years later, that's all I'm doing is running marathons. That's such a funny story. Yeah. I, that's so funny you say that about him to, like, tell tell me I look great. And what I what really gets to me is, like, if I, if I see my husband on the course and it's, like, mile 20 and he's, like, you know, speed up. I'm like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. You're killing me. 
Yeah. Well, but, I do the, yeah, that brings me back to another memory of um, the Little Rock Marathon in Arkansas. Um, Little Rock is, I guess, where uh, Mary Kay Cosmetics uh, was founded. Hmm. And at the finish, there's uh, like a hill you go up before you, you know, you go through the air, a hill you go actually cross over and then you go down to the finish line. And these Mary Kay representatives used to be there uh, with lipstick, red lipstick for women, so that when they cross the finish line, in the finished photo, you look beautiful. What? <laughs> with lips? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Yeah, they had lipstick. So you know, because you go across the finish line, you know, you're typically you're just destroyed, and it looks, you know, glorious. But uh, at the finish of this marathon, all the women had like beautiful lips. Stop it! That's yeah. hilarious. <laughs> I, what's that? The Arc? Does it? Do they it still little, do it? Lock, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know if they're still doing it, but that was the kind of the the story they told me. Dude, I'm going to look into that. That's hilarious. I don't think I'd want anybody to touch me, though. I don't know. I don't think I'd be into that, but that's funny. That's really funny. What? Um, uh, let's see. Oh, I know what I wanted to ask you about. Like, in, in your book, you have a lot of really – well, first of all, your book was hilarious. Like, I was just, like, laughing at a lot of the, a lot of the parts. Well, thought it was funny. <laughs> uh, help? I thought it was funny because it's so relatable. Like it was so hard, but like, like you had like, like just like little things like the stick when you the sticker thing and you were trying to find the the smiley face stickers <laughs> and then like I I like can't relate. Like I've never run an ultra hundred miles. Like I've never done that, but like I can like imagine that like frustrating feeling. And then the just the fact that it was like smiley face stickers that is what you were looking for and like the most like depths of like your despair it was I, I i was just like laughing like it was just like oh my god like i'm sure it wasn't funny in the moment so sorry uh, no but I, I, like, I mean i think it was i was i thought i was gonna die so it was only reflecting you know later on how juxtaposed it was just as so you said i mean you're uh, you know you're about to croak and you're looking for these smiley face stickers to put in your race number yeah yeah i mean what do they say comedy is what tragedy plus time so, um, yeah, I thought, I thought that was funny, but, but again, some of the funny things that, that, that were in the book, besides like near death experiences for you, um, were the volunteers, like at the aid stations, like I've only one run one ultra. And like, I know just from that one that the volunteers are like awesome. And like, but you had so many stories of volunteers that just were such characters. And so do you have one that really stands out to you or like a favorite Oh, I mean, you know, that I, I guess to put the, the listener in perspective or the viewer, I'm not sure if this, you're listening or watching this interview, but uh, the aid stations at ultra marathons are like they're festive, like the people get dressed up and they uh, they make it really fun. So uh, there's a, an aid station at, uh, at this race called the Western States 100 mile endurance run. And at mile 85, you, you know, you're running on this wilderness trail through the Sierra Nevada mountains in the middle of nowhere. And you come into this aid station and it's Hawaiian themed. So there's all these men and women and they've got like hula gear on. They've got lays around their neck. You know, there's, they've got Hawaiian music playing. You know, they're mixing Mai Tais and margaritas. It's crazy. But um, that I think those are like the moments that, that you look back on. And it's just so, like I said, like you said, it's so juxtaposed. Like you're, you're going to die and all of a sudden there's all these people partying. <laughs> So I think that, that that's just that, that's one of the uh, kind of the the allures I think of of ultra marathoning. Yeah, that's that 
That that's exactly what it is. It's just so funny that like it's just like the I I just I can't imagine how you're feeling at like mile sixty or whatever or seventy or eighty or whatever. But like yeah, to run into something like that and and they're having margaritas or <laughs> some of the food you eat on these runs just totally. I'm like what I what the heck. We I mean I'll never live down the story of ordering a pizza one time when I was I was <laughs> I was running all night. Yeah. I was running a 200 mile relay race, um, a 12 person relay race, uh, but I was running solo. Oh my I God. I do the whole 200 miles. And in, in the middle of the night, I was out on this backcountry road. There was nothing around, no food. I had no crew and I was starving, but I had a cell phone and a credit card. So I ordered a, a pizza. <laughs> to I was like, how did they find you? I told the guy where to meet me. So, yeah, and this is back when they were, I had a flip phone, so it was way ahead of my time. But um, he brought me a pizza out in this, you know, backcountry road. He must have thought you were nuts. He couldn't believe it. Yeah, he could not believe it. And I, and I asked him, I said, hey, when you make it, um, don't slice it and make it with kind of a really thin crust. <laughs> and, he's, and he delivered it to me. Like, why did you want it that way? And I said, well, what's what I'm going to do? And I just rolled the whole thing in this big Italian burrito. Well, you don't see that every day like this, you know, this big burrito of pizza. And, and I ate it that way was because I thought, how am I going to carry a pizza box? Right. But people, and people say, how did you eat a whole pizza when you're, you know, you're running, but you have to remember this race, you know, it took me 45 hours to finish this run. So you get really hungry when you're running for 45 hours straight. It's, it's not like a, you're sprinting down the, the street, you know, trying to eat a pizza. So I ate this whole pizza and had no problems with it. Really? So you didn't run slower or anything after the, eating that pizza? You felt completely fine. Yeah, I mean, you see it all the time during ultra marathons. People eat burritos, quesadillas. I mean, you eat whole food and it it, it, you bar it barely even registers. I mean, you don't feel full or anything. I mean, you, man, this is because you're running for so many hours. Yeah, yeah. What's the weirdest thing you've ever eaten on a, in an ultra? Uh, I had a peanut butter peanut butter pickle sandwich one time. What? So I no. had, yes. I had, I had my crew making me a peanut butter sandwich and we had pickles because, you know, pickle juice is supposed to help with cramping. And I saw the pickles. And I'm like, I cannot drink any more pickle juice, but put some pickles on my on my peanut butter. Oh, no, Dean. Oh, I can't. You gross. Oh, my God. Well, that's yeah, I mean, but. I, that's what I was going to talk. I don't like pickles. I hate pickles. And I was so excited because I read that you didn't like pickle juice. And I was like, we have this in common. But you put pickles on a peanut butter sandwich. I can't with that. I don't uh, eat pickles anymore. I think because of that experience. <laughs> yeah, I can't. Even the smell of a pickle now, it just nauseates me. <laughs> All right. I have a fun game. If you're up for a game of association, I have 10 words all to do with running, and you just say the very first word that comes to your mind really quick. You ready? Um, yep. All right. 800s. Uh, the toll-free number you call when you need someone <laughs> to pick you up. <laughs> all right. Marathon. Uh, a field of fennel. That's the genesis of the word marathon is field of fennel. In, uh, in ancient Greece, uh, where the, Persian, the Persians in, invaded Greece uh, at the Bay of Marathon, uh, but the bay is a coastal bay, and it was filled with wild fennel, like fennel, the herb, grows wild all over Greece. So they 
invaded this place that was filled with fennel, which is Marathon. That's how the, the name uh, Marathon, that's where it's come from. I'm glad that you explained. No one, no one knows about that. Yeah, so the rich, and after the, the Greeks won the battle, that guy, Pheidippides, ran 26.2 miles to the Acropolis. And he said, Nike, Nike, or Nike, Nike, which means victory, victory. And he said, Nike, Nike, which means victory, victory. We are victorious. And, and then he and then he died. So oh, that's yeah. where we get the race, the marathon. Mm, such an interesting story. And he said, Nike, Nike, which means victory, victory. Where was I? All right. Toenail. Toenails? Overrated. Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> Pickles. <laughs> peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> Bananas. <laughs> peanut butter sandwich. Uh, coffee. Uh, life. Yeah. Uh, sleep. Again, overrated. All right. Uh, chafing. Misery. <laughs> <laughs> All right, running. Joy. Yeah, I love that game. I like to do it back and forth with people. It gets real interesting. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So when you wrote your first book, um, I feel like it took off because you were this regular guy who did something like extraordinary. Um, but I've read or and seen that you're actually biologically like different than the rest of us, right? Well, I mean, I supposedly don't produce lactic acid. So I've been tested and, uh, you know, kind of prodded and, uh, they say that, uh, my ability to rid the body of lactic acid is, is like extraordinary. And they don't know if it's genetic, they're not sure why, but lactic acid is kind of like what causes cramps. You know, you, when you start feeling your legs getting heavy, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't like to play it up because I don't want people to think I am anything uh, other than ordinary. I think that, you know, my story kind of gives people hope that uh, just an ordinary guy can do extraordinary things. And so I, I still believe that. You know, I'm not I'm not gifted in any way. I don't believe. I just think that um, I'm passionate, and I love training hard, and I just love what I do. And I think when you love what you do, you're going to be good at it. So yeah. I, I think that um, if you can learn to love running, you're going to be good at it. So I wanted to ask you um, if you have any information that you want to share as far as how people can connect with you. And then, of course, where they can get your uh, your book, A Runner's High, because it's so awesome. Yeah, I mean, just Google Google yeah. Dean. Someone said if you Google Dean, I'm the first Dean that comes up. <laughs> Unbelievable. So just you can Google Dean. And yeah, if you want to if you want to read an entertaining running book, try my most recent one, A Runner's High. And yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it made you laugh, so hopefully it'll make others laugh as well. And I get messages from people all the time. Like I got a message uh, before I came to this interview from a guy who said that, um, you know, he was going to read a couple chapters of my book uh, last night. He's like, six hours later, I finished. I'm like, wow. And they said, and then, and then I got up. I just had to go running. You know, when I get messages like that, I think that the, the book is, is done all right. I actually, I read it and then I also listened to the audio, which is also like a fun way to experience your book. Cause um, I actually listened to the audio first and I'm not going to give away 
your book. So I'm going to be careful. There's a part in your book where I was like, oh my gosh, like I was so worried because I wasn't, you know, I wasn't reading it. I was listening to it and I was like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Like all this stuff. And then you did like a total plot twist. And I was like, ah, <laughs> so there's twists and turns and it's really, really good. Yeah. I think that uh, you have kids, so you know uh, how that just tugs at your heart when something like that happens. Yeah. 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 Yep. That's exactly what I was thinking. I'm like, I knew exactly how you were feeling. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I felt so bad for you. And then I felt bad for everybody. And then I was like, Phew. but, um, but anyway, yeah. Awesome. Um, well, Dean, I super, super appreciate you um, being on the podcast. Like it's a brand new podcast. Like I just think you're just super generous to, to give me a shot to talk to you. So um, just thank you so much. I appreciate uh, the conversation and thanks for having me on. I hope we can run together one day. That'd be even yeah. better. I hope we can run together one day. I hope we can run together one day. Um, noted. And all right, let's see if Dean has any advice for new runners or anyone looking to get started. Tequila. <laughs> Just kidding, Dean. And I know you don't like to be thought of as special, but is there one thing you do that sets you apart from the ordinary? Put some pickles on my on my peanut butter. What? So no. I had yes. Well, Dean, I think you're anything but ordinary. And it's not just because you put pickles on your peanut butter sandwiches. I wish you all the best in your upcoming running adventures and cannot wait until we share that run together. Thank you so much for your time. And thanks to everyone who listened to this podcast today. I appreciate your support. As always, don't forget to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Maybe Running Will Help. This podcast is a production of Anchor. If you like this show, remember you can hear it here on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or any app you use to listen to podcasts. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message or direct message me on Instagram or Facebook at Maybe Running Will Help. If you have a story you are willing to share with the community, please reach out. Keep running, keep inspiring, and keep sharing how Maybe Running Will Help. Have a great run, everybody.
Tequila. Tequila. 